1: Welcome to the Wednesday Roto-Wire football podcast, the college edition. I'm John McKechnie, and I, as always, I'm joined here by uh, Mario Puig. Mario, uh, how would you digest all of the kind of craziness that happened in, in last week's games? Uh, that was, I, I thought, like, when I got up the next day that I was suffering
2: from a fever <laughs> and was just, like badly dehydrated and (laughs) that might have been the case hallucinating yeah i didn't yeah that don't need to rule it out but uh it was it was surreal seeing like the middle tennessee score obviously earlier in the day there was syracuse pittsburgh uh but yeah middle tennessee like i remember the i remember seeing last the box score at halftime of that one i think richie james had 200 yards rushing and three touchdowns in the second half
0: that's, I,
1: I mean, mean you, yeah, because Urzua went out, so they just said, you know, F it, we're just going to put the ball in our best player's hands and just figure it out. And but yeah, just just wacky, wacky box scores. I'm, I'm trying to
2: remember, like, obviously Navy went, like, 70 points or whatever. Yes. Just a lot of crazy stuff. Uh, it's it's too bad there wasn't a mainstream DFS for last week. Like, that
1: certainly would have been, like, all the record high scores. Yeah, we would have pretty much just been recording this podcast on Stacks of Money. That would have been pretty, pretty neat. Yes. But... On the you know, on the flip side of that with all the cool stuff that is going on, there's obviously end of the season, uh, you know, heads start to roll as far as, as coaches are concerned and you know, sometimes we're 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 more happy about it than others. Um, you know, the Charlie Strong kind of long, prolonged, uh just sort of uh, torture sequence that led to his firing you know that kind of culminated in, in bad losses to Kansas and TCU uh, I think Gary Patterson uh, after the game said something to the effect of it was a great win for, it was a great win for the program is not a good win for me you know basically saying like he was sorry that it had to happen that way yeah that was that was
2: about as as pitiful of an exit as it could have been for the strong regime like uh yeah Kansas and then just getting blown out by by TCU as as they're in the midst of their own disappointing season. Right. It was, it was, it was not uh, dignified and yeah, I, I don't know where I expect him to go next. I haven't heard anything. I'm sure he's probably a little rattled still by everything and might not have even been thinking about it too much. But, uh, yeah, I think Herman was a good hire, even even though uh, he also sucks because he lost a couple games. He lost multiple games. Uh, he lost to Memphis, ergo Mike Norvell should be L- the, yeah, the losing, best losing coach. to Memphis, and he lost to UConn two years ago, proof that he's bad, even though he also beat, you know, heavily favored Louisville
1: and <laughs> Oklahoma teams in a, and Florida like, humiliating fashions. Yeah. God, yeah. So, th- yeah, Texas definitely has something to look forward to there, and I think he might be getting – uh, Kyle Allen to come with him remember he got Kyle Allen to come down to Houston right, yeah. after he transferred out of A&M former five-star guy that we both thought uh, was pretty impressive before getting benched by uh, Sumlin. or if yeah, by someone for for kyler murray you know and that that whole you know we thought that that whole thing was a train wreck at a but you know they, they kind of were able to come out the other side of that um other coaches that they got fired uh you know we, we we had been talking about this for for some time after after we kind of realized that oregon was indeed terrible it was like yeah well Hellford has to go they weren't a little off
2: they were one of the worst teams i feel like i've watched this year and they they, they had a couple games where they put up big numbers on offense but but just a just a wreck. And clearly, like he this, this guy is not Chip Kelly. This guy is he, I mean, Helfrich, whatever, might be a good offensive coordinator or something under a, a stronger head coach. But that team was bad. And like they, they were underachieving. More importantly, it's not like there was a, a you know complete lack of talent. It's just there was no results. Um, and yeah, you could, you could see signs of it last year too. Like when the Jeff Lockie stuff was going on, right. Um, it was like, wow, this is one of the worst offenses I've ever seen. And yeah, Lockie might've been that bad. Uh, but it turns out it like really wasn't all him. It was like Helfrich can't succeed without
1: really everything in his favor right i mean you look at you look at the meltdown that they had in the bowl game against tcu last year they took a a 31 point lead into halftime but vernon adams got dinged up and had to leave the game and then you know jeff locke obviously but bram Kohlhausen or whatever yeah led them back that was that was that That was wild uh, Oregon in the spread, so I was mad about that. Me too. I was I was extremely upset, and I thought that that was like a huge lock because uh, Oregon had been clicking so so well coming into that bowl game, yeah. and Boykin was out too, so I thought that was going to be okay. an easy one. So we were looking correct, and then uh, the plane just yeah or bad example here, but yeah, it just totally went off the rails. Um, let's see, Co- Coach Coach or- staying at LSU. Does that do anything for you?
2: not really it seems it seems like just a you know s- stabilizer move they have aranda coming back so they're not going to be you know th- they won't regress next year but they, i also don't think they're going to get any better really uh it's like this is not a herman hire this isn't this isn't something with growth potential there
1: there's some interesting recruiting development stuff uh going on uh this is always a week that I start to pay, pay attention to recruiting because uh, the con- contact is open back up between coaching staffs and players, and uh, LSU had had this guy, Miles Brennan, uh, kind of their best quarterback recruit in some time, although I'm sure that we say that every year about whichever quarterback they bring in. Um, he had been committed for a while, seemed like this kind of golden boy, and uh, the, amid the rumors that LSU is trying to court Lane Kiffin over from, over from Bama to LSU, right, yeah. uh, they offered uh, Bama's blue chip uh, quarterback. Uh, Whose name I cannot pronounce for the life of me, but obviously you got to think that there's some intrigue for for him to maybe go to LSU because Jalen Hurts seems to you know w- or would theoretically be blocking him for at least his first two years on campus. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're seeing we're seeing the kind of recruiting fallout un- under Orgeron, and we saw that Miles Brennan got offered by Oklahoma State uh, right after that. So there's going to be a lot of kind of uh, musical chairs going on in the recruiting uh, realm, especially with quarterbacks coming up here and you know some politics that could. Involve you know a coaching staff change with uh, Lane Kiffin. Yeah, you definitely know more about that stuff than I do. I'm I'm, I'm usually way behind on recruiting
2: news and everything. But uh, otherwise, with with the coaching carousel at the moment, it looks like I don't know why, but Dan Mullen for some reason is in some sort of demand or, or yeah. is speculated to to be in some sort of demand uh, i think pj fleck is pretty obviously the very right. best coach left you you mentioned in our, our meeting a minute ago like that if, if if brian kelly gets fired which uh i know they said they won't but how do you not like how do, do you, you not no, no one who follows that team is going to care about next year if that guy's still a coach um but yeah like pj fleck would make a ton of sense for notre dame he'd be like a lot of people might think like oh they, they had to settle for him i like no he's really one of the best candidates for that job uh, like among all you know prospective candidates that there were in the first place but yeah otherwise like uh, I guess uh, I don't even know his name but Ken the long name of oh, the Navy coach the Navy coach who's yeah I don't know how anyone could be critical of his results it's pretty amazing what they've done there so
1: he he would make some sense for Oregon if, if yeah. uh, they could pry him away yeah I think you know it's it's funny that you mentioned that that, that Notre Dame aspect uh, one of my best friends is really kind of plugged into the Notre Dame uh, just sort of seen and he said that apathy has never been so high amongst fans and at this point you know kelly just needs to go and he was pretty adamant even after the texas loss that you know there's no way that that he's gone after this year after if they stink again next year in 2017 then he could see it but i think like you know kelly really put that to the test with some of those losses that they had uh you (laughs) know
2: like now let me prove yeah wait a second (laughs) bud
1: it's like uh i don't know if you should be pushing your
2: luck buddy Uh, yeah but yeah i don't I, i think kelly needs to go I, it's but it's that's also factoring in things that a lot of people don't care about uh, you mm-hmm. know the the anyway some things that happened there before this year in conjunction with what has happened this year it's like i, I think this guy's awful to get him out
1: yeah i think i think it's time and i think Fle- fleck you know i i think notre dame kind of feels like they can get a guy like uh John Gruden to come out of the the like the announcing booth, it's like mm, maybe take a take a step back and realize where you've been the last few years. Yeah. Fleck is probably the best thing you're going to get right now Oh, for now. sure.
2: I, I don't know why people don't know more about him, but like he's already proven to be a uniquely good recruiter. The results with the Western Michigan team, their talent development after getting in these recruits, uh, like he's basically the best. He's basically the best uh, MAC recruiter ever, and it's not even close. Yeah, uh, he's put got basically like a, a team of three stars, which no one in the MAC has ever done. Uh, but yeah, I think he would make a lot of sense for Notre Dame. And I I think if it's like if he does settle for like Purdue or something like that, uh, I bet he's in the NFL in a couple of years instead of a big uh, uh, college football powerhouse, although I
1: think it would make more sense for that. Yeah, I, I like him more in the college game. I, I would prefer him to stay there, but I, I also agree. And I, I said it last year uh, when the Illinois job opened up is like that. Oh, PJ Fleck from Western Michigan is like that's a that's a backwards move for him at this point. He can he can wait. And you know, coming into this year and obviously yeah. with the season he's had, I think we're about the point where Western Michigan's ahead of Purdue. Yeah, no, they absolutely yeah, are so a better team. Just backwards move. So I hope he doesn't do that. Um, but moving on from the coaching carousel, uh, we got a couple interesting quarterback transfer. Here on the horizon, Malik Zaire expected to be uh, granted his release from Notre Dame, so he'll be you know kind of on the market, as it were. Um, The kind of names that came up as of Tuesday afternoon: Florida, Wisconsin, Pitt. Am I missing any? Uh, They mentioned Michigan
2: State, but that wouldn't be eligible because he can't go to any team on the 2017 Notre Dame schedule Uh, except North Carolina. I don't know why. Uh, you 'd think they wouldn 't want him uh, bec- playing for them
1: maybe because they're they 're technically like pseudo a c c members I don't know. I yeah. I but so it, it wasn't Pitt. addressed at all in the
2: article that I saw. Mm-hmm. Like it might be something like they just uh, that uh, I don't know. I don't know. It, it makes it's no a sense.
1: Blood oath from the eighteen hundreds.
2: Yeah, or like maybe he's from like the Carolinas,
1: and they're like, well, we're not that evil, so we'll let you go home <laughs> if you want to, but uh, not anywhere else you want to go. So you were saying in our meeting that you thought Florida would probably be the best landing spot for him. Uh, I think um, that would be the scariest team to
2: result out of his transfer. Like I know Wisconsin's very good, but, uh, I, I'm not totally convinced that they're going to be as good next year as they are this year. Right. Uh, we'll see. But if you went to Wisconsin, that'd be great. Like he'd be a great, I think, first of all, I think that is a really good player. I think people, uh, obviously he has had not much time in the spotlight and he's not known for doing anything recently but i thought he was really convincing uh that the like three starts he did get before deshaun kaiser kind of screwed right, him right yeah
1: you got to remember that he did beat out kaiser for that job straight up uh in the in coming into the 2015 season and he broke his ankle and kind of got right. wally pip and he started really well and he, he i think it was a bowl game against lsu he
2: was really yes. good too the year before so i think Zaire is a really good college quarterback uh, Wisconsin he would be that that defense plus him would be pretty killer in the Big Ten uh, but he'd be good at Pitt too I mean like he could he could put up maybe maybe that's the best spot to put up numbers out there because yeah. uh don't have to deal with SEC defenses Wisconsin isn't ambitious throwing the ball um, neither was Pitt but at least I don't know whatever maybe they'd
1: throw a bit more if they had a quarterback as good as him who knows it's interesting the the Florida the only Florida element uh, that I could see where that get a little messy is that Florida brought in a couple blue chip quarterback prospects okay. in last year's recruiting class, uh, mostly Philippe Franks, who I think should be the guy next year. Uh, but I, I would assume that Zaire would be better than him right now. If you know, if you were to put them on the field, yeah, in and he's a grad transfer, so right. It's just a one off, exactly. Um, but you know, you have you'd have to wonder about you know, kind of keeping that that recruit happy, and you'd have to wonder if he's if uh, a guy like Franks, who's the best quarterback recruit that they've gotten in a while if he would start to you know start to get the wandering eye a little bit and think about going elsewhere as opposed to having to wait till his junior year to play um and then we got jared stidham who we remember from from uh filling in for seth russell after seth russell's neck injury in 2015 played really well until he did he have an ankle injury himself to Uh, end the year last year i think something like that yeah and then uh obviously uh, amid all the art briles turmoil over the summary. Opted to just go play at a JUCO this year. It looks like Auburn is definitely in the driver's seat for him, but I think Florida's looking at him as well. Yeah, that I I was
2: surprised to see him linked so heavily to Auburn because I didn't think he was uh, as much of a running quarterback as Auburn normally looks for. I thought he was more of a pro prospect who uh, can run, but would would maybe rather not take the hits entailed a, at a playing quarterback for the Gus Malzahn scheme. Right. But uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. He can, he can he at least can run a little bit. He would be better than I think anybody they have right now by quite a large mar- large margin. But. Um, yeah, I don't know. If 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 I guess Zaire and him, I don't know, can split Florida and uh Auburn or something, uh I don't know, that might be the way it goes. Yeah, definitely yeah so I I, uh, don't I don't know what's going on with Stidham though but yeah he was even like a few months ago pretty heavily linked to Auburn for some reason
1: right and it it seemed like as of this week he was visiting there officially and he extended his visit so I think that is looking more and more like a lock by the day and Hmm. you know while we both are right to wonder about his fit within the Malzahn system he is a really talented player I was very impressed by what he was able to do uh, just kind of coming in as a true freshman I didn't think the Baylor offense had a huge Drop off with him under center, no, they didn't, so should be interesting. We'll see how that all plays out and then the big you sort of early draft story uh thus far, your guy foreman, yeah, he announces just, today,
2: yeah, he just announced that he's he will be entering the draft, which is definitely the right move. um, I think he'll be probably like an early third round pick, and not not that I like that that is to say. 10 years ago I think he would have been a first round pick. Right. Uh it's just yeah every when Kenneth Dixon's fall to like almost the 5th round then it's like D- Dante Foreman's fall to the 3rd like Derek Henry mm-hmm. almost fell all the way to the 3rd if it wasn't for the Titans. So um I I consider him about as good of a prospect as Henry and I I was much higher on Henry than like a lot of people. Right. Um uh basically they're similar too. Like he's not a 6'3" 250 but he is like 6'1" uh 245. And he might be faster in a straight line than Derrick Henry. He, he might run like a four or five flat
1: at the combine. So he's, he's really fast for how big he is. And obviously, he's put up insane numbers the last yep. two years. Yep, led the led the nation in rushing over 2,000 yards, I believe, this season. So, he missed a game. Yeah, he did. And then one of his touchdowns was without a shoe as well. So, I mean. Yeah. He's yeah, a, he's pretty good. It's so weird how he's the twin brother of Armonty Foreman
2: who was like a way higher recruit than David. Yeah, and huge then deal. like Armonty just doesn't do anything. <laughs> right.
1: Like, yeah. <laughs> way to go. Anyway, anyway yeah, the story I think of he's, Texas these days.
2: I would only I expect him to go after uh certainly uh Fournette, Cook, and Chubb, but uh and probably Royce Freeman. But I I'd like I think I'll like Foreman more than like McCaffrey, um and I don't know who else I'm forgetting. But, uh,
1: yeah, really good running back class either way. Maybe, maybe like it, you'll like him more than an Elijah hood or Wayne Gallman.
2: Oh uh, yeah. More than Gallman. I have, to, it's, I don't even know what I think of hood exactly because I, I just this hate the way he's weird. used. I hate the way he's used in the fedora offense, but, uh, We'll see. Testing definitely, uh, athletic
1: testing at the combine definitely settles a lot of the the questions for me. Exactly. All right. Well, with that, let's uh, let's move into some championship weekend action. I am actually wearing a Western Michigan row the boat shirt, courtesy of our own Western Michigan alum in the office, Mike G. Did you just buy you a shirt? He acquired it when he went to Kalamazoo for game day two weekends ago. Okay. So it's straight from Kalamazoo, so you know it's good. He went there to buy the shirt for you. Yes. That was precisely uh, his his reason for going back. That and to watch Western Michigan just paste Buffalo uh, in the snow. That was cool. But – this weekend, we got the MAC championship. We got Western Michigan 18 and a half point favorites against Ohio over under 59 and a half. Just a couple of quick Western Michigan facts. The only MAC team to ever beat all of its MAC opponents by at least 14 points. Uh, just really impressive team all around. You had a really good Zach Terrell nugget from earlier. What was that again?
2: uh he has in in 12 games this year 30 passing touchdowns and one interception
1: and then six rushing touchdowns on top of yeah. that yeah
2: we don't know how many fumbles he might have but basically yeah some something upwards of 37 touchdowns versus uh, just one or three or four turnovers
1: and so they're playing ohio ohio obviously has kind of exceeded our expectations this year you know they've definitely uh you know just i
2: haven't looked them up for this uh for this record but i would imagine they're pretty consistently uh on the under like t- t- when you pl- when you play ohio they find a way to make it close drag you down yeah and like just make it uncomfortable so i i think western michigan might tr- have trouble to getting over 17 points Like okay. th- that spread is 18 or whatever uh but yeah the Western Michigan should win. Uh, Ohio can't really throw the ball, and their running is is kind of a patchwork uh, committee, too. So, uh, yeah, Western Michigan's a totally different machine, but I, I bet Ohio makes it tougher than people expect.
1: Yeah, I'd prefer that line to be closer to 17, absolutely, uh, just with the way that Ohio can kind of just slow things down. Solik has just a long history of making it hard in settings like this. I just – I have this – theory that Western Michigan kind of has a little bit of heat on them even though they are technically like in the the leaders in the clubhouse to get that group of five spot in the in the uh, in like the New Year six bulls, but Navy's only two spots behind them. And they if they if they become the AAC conference mm. champions, that's probably a more impressive conference than the MAC. Yeah. It, despite how good Western Michigan has been this year, so I think Western Michigan needs to come out and, and absolutely kind of blow the doors off of Ohio. So I could see a scenario where they do win by three touchdowns. Yeah. I just think it's going to be tough. But I think that's they will definitely what they to. want to do.
2: Yeah, they will be trying to so. That that might be all it really
1: takes because they have a big town advantage. Yes, they do. Uh, then moving on to the Pac-12 championship, we got Colorado versus Washington, just as everyone anticipated before the season. Yeah. Well, I uh, I knew I knew we, Colorado would be this good. <laughs> yep, yep, exactly. Everywhere I said yep, that we we knew that they would just uh, be a lot better than UCLA, and we knew that both the Arizona schools would be just I think the we worst did kind of ever. expect UCLA to be a bit of a turd. But
2: uh, yeah, I also didn't. Ex- I mean, I I didn't know of the you know the. Uh, I, I didn't read these prophecies of Sam Darnold's uh, arrival and ascent, and, and that changed everything. Because like I was basically projecting them, like okay, crap quarterback, bad coach. Uh, if you have a savior quarterback though, that changes things. I didn't see that coming. Right.
1: I, I think it, I'd like to go back and listen to our podcast after Week One, after USC just got buried by Alabama, and see and see how we felt these about guys them. Back are then. so bad. Good God, we're never talking about them again. Mm. Now we talk about them every week, even in a game where, or in a week where they're not playing. But. To the matter at hand, we got Colorado and Washington here. Washington, 7.5-point favorites over under 58.5. Uh, looking into some stats from Bill Connolly over at SB Nation, uh, he's projecting a 6.6-point victory uh, for Washington here, and a, he's giving them a 65% win probability. Yeah, I, I like Colorado. I, I like safe Lufau. Um, Mike McIntyre's
2: done a great job there. The defense has been very good. Um, I'm a little concerned it hasn't been tested that well though right um like they gave up uh, like i think this must have been a dakota pre-cop game still uh like oregon threw on them okay right uh darnold lit them up yes so yeah i think browning is definitely more in, in that that was very year. very Arnold, or i think that might have been darnold's second start uh, yeah, something third. like that. It was it was definitely one of his first games and uh, he, he put up like 350 and three touchdowns on them. Not bad. So yeah. Uh, and, and but then the rest of the schedule for Colorado so like Colorado State, Idaho State, Michigan, Oregon State, Arizona State. Uh, Stanford, UCLA, Arizona. So oh, also, uh, Luke Falk put up three twenty and three touchdowns on Colorado. It's uh, just a sl- it's a slow day by his standards. Yeah, though. and so the Colorado pass defense is definitely good. Yes, I don't know if it's I, I don't know if it's particularly close to the level you need to be to shut down the Washington passing game, though.
1: Yeah, I don't think so either. Um, I think that Washington is, is the mo- outside of. Well, I don't know how you defend those receivers because like a. a
2: colorado type defense in college uh probably more in the stanford model of of uh like you know you're physical at the line you take advantage of college footballs lax uh, holding and downfield contact rules i don't think you can get away i don't think that you can press these receivers they're too quick they get away from you and no one can run with them no like pettis and ross are too fast so uh as long as browning doesn't you know have have an off day which he do- hasn't really done this year I, I just I just don't really see them. I, I guess he did against USC, but right. uh, I don't I don't I don't
1: think uh, Colorado's defense is as good as theirs actually. So really, what it comes down to for me is: to, Do you think Washington wins by more than a touchdown? Uh, I think so. I'm not I'm not so sure, but I, I'm leaning that way too. I think that I think they could maybe. Uh, Let's, I'm trying to think of what is what score would sit right with me maybe like a 27-17 type of game yeah something like that I, I can see it yeah something like that it's just I feel
2: like Sa- Sefa Lufau while I, I like him uh, I don't think he's like that good like I think I think he's just good and like has has been overlooked his whole career there but going against Washington it's like you only a Darnold type quarterback is is what I expect to stand up against that
1: defense and uh, yeah Darnold's way ahead of Lufau all right, so we both see uh, Washington getting the win, getting the cover, and presumably one of the final spots available in the college football playoff. Moving on to Saturday here, uh, starting off with the AAC championship. Uh, Temple uh, at Navy, so it it is being played in Annapolis. It, Navy is a three-point favorite here. I would expect that line to get bigger as the game gets closer because it sounds like
2: uh, P.J. Walker, Phillip Walker, the temple quarterback is going to be significantly limited, and he right. doesn't really have any utility to spare. He's he's a rough passer to begin with. Uh, Ventel Bryant, the receiver, should should be fine, but he's a bit nicked up. Uh, they're probably going to be without. Uh, this is taking the coach Matt Rule at his word. He could have been just you know speaking uh, gibberish because he, he doesn't need to be truthful. There's no reason for him to be truthful, actually. Uh, but he said Raquel Armstead is probably not going to play. He's their main like goal line back because even though he's not big, Jihad Thomas is like 180 pounds, and right. they, they use him so much outside of the 20s that, that he's going to have to have like he's going to have 30 plus touches in this game. I bet, uh, wow. and he's really good. He might be able to carry them to a win, but I just don't think beat up Temple is is a team that projects well against navy
1: yeah that's that's tough navy's gonna grind them down and uh you know like you said temple needed to kind of be at full force and able to do this and i think like the s&p projection uh from from connelly uh kind of isn't factoring in the fact that uh temple's quarterback and its running game are gonna are gonna be hindered uh that they, because they're projecting a a nearly uh Full, full touchdown uh, win by Temple, and I think that just seems a little bit off. I, I anticipate the scenario you described uh, coming to fruition in more likelihood. I just think that this line is probably going to grow to maybe like Navy minus five by the yeah, time the kickoff. Yeah, I was thinking like four and a half, five. And if if those injuries are just crap,
2: if if rules making it all up, then yeah, that would that would be very different. But if like if they don't have a quarterback who can put, who can really compete with PJ Walker to begin with, and he's not good and like if he's playing limited or if he's out what does that mean for whatever the you know alternative in that case is it's just it's just it could just you know put the whole offense in in like a a situation where the defense is playing like 10 yards of the field every play because they're just not worried about the pass and jihad thomas really good player but a 180 pound back against you know a generally well coached team if if they're singling him out and they're not paying for it like I, i would imagine navy pulls that off
1: yeah and then you know on the other side of the coin uh Navy's offense always creates trouble for people. Will Worth has a. Uh, it- 82 touchdowns in the last four weeks. Roughly, yes. Yeah, pretty impressive stuff. And, uh, you know, Temple faced one option team earlier this year. They faced Army. Uh, Army went for 329 and four scores on the ground, uh, but they did hold them under five yards of carry. So that this is like a decent showing, I guess, against yeah, an option Temple's team. Yeah, Temple's defense is good. It is, I mean, I absolutely agree, but I think, you know, an option, you know, it, it tests you in different ways, yeah, obviously. Um, but I, I think that Navy obviously sports a much better, ver- like a Ferrari version of the option as opposed to the the Buick that, that army has. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I think that, uh, Navy should be able to pull this one off. You know, you'll have to monitor the line coming up to kick off, but at this point, 66
2: points, two weeks ago, 75 last week. That's crazy for an option
1: team. It's nuts. Uh, I I don't know if I've ever seen like that, especially one that, yeah, like you said, that's just running constantly. Um, so I think we both like Navy here. Uh, we got conference USA matchup here. We got Louisiana tech, who actually beat Western Kentucky earlier this year in a, in a kind of a shootout. Uh, but Western Kentucky, the game is being played there. They are nine-and-a-half-point favorites, over-under of 80-and-a-half. I am
2: shocked to see Western Kentucky favored by this much. And I, I know I was I was so wrong last week about Louisiana Tech uh, killing Southern Mississippi. We both I don't are. know how that can be explained at all, except for them just looking ahead to this. Basically. Like, Southern Mississippi was not a very good team this year, and Louisiana Tech – throttled basically everybody on their similar plane of competitiveness. And, and yeah, Western Kentucky, I mean, they're a really good team. It's just uh, nine and a half points. What, it, am, I, what am I missing here? It,
1: so- it sounds – you know, interesting. I think the fact is that you know when you look beyond uh, that game in early October that Louisiana Tech was able to win at home. Western Kentucky kind of has been playing its best football, and I think maybe maybe some of that line has to do with, with the. I think that loss really kind of hurt Louisiana Tech. Louisiana Tech, and at least in Vegas' eyes, there at least it appears to be that way. Uh, Louisiana Tech's defense is is it's definitely bad. it's yeah. really bad. Western Kentucky has a much better defense, That's true. so I, I still think that this game. Game, probably hits the over though.
2: Yeah, that that's that's the thing is like I don't understand how because it's not just uh you know to say Western Kentucky's defense is better than Louisiana Tech when you're talking nine and a half points that's saying like they're gonna they're actually gonna get a n- nice comfy lead on them and they're not gonna give it up right. Uh, I don't see the Western Kentucky defense being that good, especially when they already failed to be that good once. Right, and uh, I don't know. It's like that was the only game all year where Ryan Higgins wasn't just you know completely effortlessly tearing everybody apart so uh two bad games in a row for him throwing to carlos henderson and trent taylor just doesn't seem likely to me so uh i that spread is big enough to make me like question my instincts seriously but uh i'll still take louisiana tech to cover for sure even though i i guess i i guess i now think western kentucky is more likely to win than i may have thought a few minutes ago right
1: yeah i I think i'm with you as far as i I don't think that a a team like western kentucky is going to beat Louisiana Tech by 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 double digits so I, i would take i would roll with the bulldogs there as well um moving on we got a couple of big 12 games of you know basically no importance at this point, just based on how the rankings are stacked. Yeah. Way to go. Um, but we got bedlam. We got Oklahoma state at Oklahoma, Oklahoma, 11 point favorites, uh, Last year, Oklahoma pasted them, but Oklahoma was just kind of a juggernaut at this point last year, I thought, and I don't really think the same way of them right now, and generally this game is pretty close. I looked back at some of like the recent scores since 2010. Most of these games end up being uh, under 10-point differentials, so I lean towards Oklahoma State covering this one here. Yeah, that's, uh, that's definitely reasonable. I think I'll take the Sooners to
2: cover, though, because... Uh, their defense in the past month has been a lot better than it was prior to that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, after Mahomes threw for 1,200 yards on them, they've only allowed, I think, like 600 since then okay. through the air. Um, in the meantime, Oklahoma State's pass defense is surprisingly competent, but their run defense, I'm, I'm going off the top of my head, but I, I remember seeing their run defense stats were pretty bad. Okay, uh, And with the way Pirine and Mixon are running right now, I do think it could be a scenario where where the Sooners, you know, it's closed for like two quarters, but they they get enough of a lead. And then that running game just kind of like lets them just choke out the the rest of the game. And like, I don't know, Mason Rudolph might start pressing if if, uh, things get late enough and the, the Sooners defense keeps playing as well as it has. So that's that's the way it would have to happen, I think. And I think Rudolph's a good player, but I'm not convinced that that running game is going to get going in the setting. So right. I, c- I can imagine a few stall drives that they're just not accustomed to, to, to
1: withstanding, whereas Oklahoma, I think, is going to be able to do what they want on offense. I think it'll be interesting to see what a healthy Mason Rudolph is able to do this time around because I think he played last year, but it was with a messed up foot. I think he only played a oh, few yeah, series. Oh, yeah, he had that stupid foot thing
2: for yeah. like all year.
1: Yeah, yeah basically. So it, it is going to be interesting. He's... You know, a year better. James Washington is obviously a total stud, and they—they, they, I've been impressed by their kind of second and third receivers. Uh, I wish I could name them yeah, off the McClessy top of my head. Better.
2: They got uh, Chris Lacy, I want to say,
1: in addition to Jawan Seals. Yeah. Every week it seems like you know, I, we we usually have an OK state game on here, and uh watching them, they, it, you I kind of will look up from my computer, and all of a sudden they will have made an insane sideline catch. So they're they're really talented. I think they're going to put uh, the things that you said about Oklahoma's defense. It has been a lot better. I think they it is going to be tested harder than it has been in recent yeah, weeks true. um so that that's just going to be really interesting to see uh how how Oklahoma state kind of can handle the the times where their drives do stall out uncharacteristically because that is going to happen they're not going to be able to score completely at will this time around i i my premise here i think that oklahoma wins and they're at home i just think it is going to end up being a closer game than 11 points
2: yeah that, and i think the way that that does happen is either yeah oklahoma state just runs the ball better than i thought or, or rudolph is a you know heroic in this game which he could be. I, 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 I know people have soured a little bit on Rudolph. Like a uh, prospect. Just, yeah. Just glancing around draft Twitter. It seems like people think he's a second round pick. I'm not sure why I've also missed like the Mitch Chbisky memo. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm not like making any definitive statements. I just, I, I was like, I look away for a second and all of a sudden people are like, he's going first. I'm like, what? When? Why? What happened <laughs> right. to Sean Kaiser? Um, but I, uh, yeah, I just, I think Rudolph is really good. It's just that I worried that Oklahoma running game plus improved defense might make it hard. Um, but yeah we'll see yeah 11 11 points is a lot
1: yeah no i I think that 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 oklahoma running game versus the oklahoma state run defense is also going to be uh that's going to really do a lot as far as how this spread shakes out um moving on to the other big 12 game here we got baylor going to west virginia west virginia (laughs) 17 point favorites we'll get through this quick uh 68 point over under uh read an interesting fact on espn today that the home team in this matchup uh, since West Virginia joined the Big 12, has won by double digits. Uh, usually in complete blowout fashion. I, I think yeah, I remember like the one. Points. I remember the one a couple of years ago where Bryce Petty uh, melted
2: down at West Virginia. So would it have been like at Waco last year and Seth Russell plastered them? Yeah, that must have been it. Okay. Yeah. Well, Baylor is going to get plastered uh, per the tradition. This yeah, year, they, they've completely they've
1: completely quit. That uh, that team's just done. Uh, maybe they'll get Sonny Dykes from Cal and maybe things will start to look a little bit better at Baylor. But for right now. Uh, Barring some sort of drastic change, it looks like they're looking at the dark ages, and I don't think, regardless of uh, of anything, at this week it, they're going to get pasted by West Virginia. I'm I am fairly confident in that one. Yeah. Uh, moving to a far more interesting game, we got San Diego State. Touchdown favorites on the road, Mountain West Championship on the line, going to Wyoming, where they lost earlier earlier this season, just a few weeks ago, actually, and Wyoming pulled off a really narrow win at home. I think it was something like 34-33. to 33. San Diego State had the chance to tie it up late, but instead went for two hubris and uh they blew it uh a lot of the Mark D'Antonio thing against Ohio State the other week uh Wyoming outgained them 487 to 389 you know you don't usually see that kind of offense put up on San Diego State but Wyoming has a really potent offense uh the nice passing game good quarterback nice receivers uh so this this is an interesting one here how do you see this one shaking out so they might have been looking ahead a week granted but san diego
2: state lost to colorado state sixty three to thirty one last week that's sixty three to thirty one and In i
1: american I, points
2: uh yes, and i don't know of any time that i've seen a team favored over one they just lost to two weeks ago uh with with a sixty three thirty one uh just dismemberment in between the two games (laughs) jeez so yeah they they totally collapsed as a pass defense michael gallup who to be fair seems quite good uh he torched them Mm -hmm. Uh, i I think the game was over like by like early in the the, like mid second quarter or something like that like gallup had already i think had like a hundred yards and a touchdown before the first half was over um so yeah on the one hand that doesn't seem super like uh indicative of who san diego state is you wouldn't expect that two weeks in a row but uh, when you fail to that magnitude it's like how do you how do you buy into the idea that you just bounce back to complete you know competence against this this team that you know is good Wyoming uh and you know already beat you right uh so seven points I don't know that feels like a lot but uh, on the other hand I yeah I do think San Diego's San Diego State is definitely not the team they were last week so all yeah. man that sucks I
1: hate making picks on games like this and and it is uh in wyoming uh just to let you know and i think it's going to be well under 30 degrees in laramie at kickoff for these little Mm. san diego boys i think that helps i I mean i know they're from san diego
2: but i think that helps them because i i'm not convinced that josh allen if if uh basically like we know pumphrey can produce on the ground even if he has no passing game around him right i don't know when you go against a san diego state defense if you have no passing game from the from the you know if 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 Allen's not pushing the safeties back, I can see Brian Hill getting shut down. Even though he he did succeed against San Diego State earlier, uh, I don't know. Uh, I I I think I gotta take San Diego State because something just feels off about all of this, and it. it it's a trap of some kind. I don't know which one it is, but I, I remember like San Diego state beating California or something. Yes. Like, that, did that happen or is that all just things I made up
1: fever dream?
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, I, know th- I mean, I know it happened, they beat but Cal it's like, it's how,
1: how did, how do these things all happen in the same universe? Yeah. It's very, it's been a very strange year in the mountain West and you know, Boise state kind of, uh, bowed out, not very gracefully yeah. these past few, few weeks, you know, yeah, a lot weird. of ugly loss to air force. So, I don't know. I mean, I am excited for this matchup. This is actually a game yeah, that I'm, a really I'm really looking forward to. Um I think I'm going to go with Wyoming to cover here. Yeah,
2: that's fair. I've I mean, th- seven I,
1: points and they already won. Yeah. yeah. And they're at home. I th- I just think that, that that might do it or that might be enough for me to to take them to cover here. Uh moving on, the one that's near and dear to neither of our hearts really, even though we live in Madison, we got Wisconsin versus Penn State. Wisconsin two and a half point favorites, uh forty seven and a half point over under. Two and
2: a half, that makes it seem like Vegas thinks Barkley is okay, right? I guess. Because if Barkley yeah, wasn't oh, able yeah, to get right. it'd it'd be be like a would bit of Yeah, little bit of a little Barkley seems a like he could be actually you know, sub- substantively limited substantively not just uh, you not know, just a little nicked up. a little nicked up. think Penn State well, not a Penn
1: State of a little did of a little of the game last week, if you remember? I don't. He, he seemed to be walking around. F- he, he kind of had this relieved look on his face, like he avoided something bad. Uh, so I mean, he, maybe we'll see. We'll see him at like ninety percent this week.
2: Yeah, I guess I, I think Corey Clement has a totally fine game. Penn State's run defense has been middling at best this year. Uh, Clement's played against some really tough defenses, and he's he's gotten hard yardage all year. Right. Um, I know it's not in camp, Randall, but uh, and, and that definitely does hurt wisconsin i I think uh right i still i still think that defense plus clement is is a constant that penn state can't match so i'll i'll take wisconsin to win but yeah, it's very easy to imagine this being like a one-point victory for whoever it is yeah this
1: is this is as tough of a game to to parse out as far as the winner uh goes uh of this weekend really uh to me it comes down to the penn state offense versus the wisconsin defense uh obviously if penn state is unable to run the ball with Barkley that that takes out a significant dimension of their offense and, and that's not to say that McSorley's been been bad it, really the opposite uh he looked great last weekend he yeah, he's done I a mean good job, he, I think he he was averaging like 16 yards per attempt against Michigan State like he absolutely just burned them to the ground um obviously that's not going to happen against uh Wisconsin defense with Sojourn Shelton and Dakota Dixon and uh Musso but it, it, well, that's going to be the key factor, really. Is, well, is just how he's really able to good. do. And right, he is really good. DeAndre Tompkins is actually pretty good too, in my opinion. Yeah, Mike Gis- Mike Kosicki, uh is that how you pronounce his name? The tight end, he's actually the second leading receiver on Penn State. So if he can attack, and you know, if Wisconsin opts to use linebackers to cover him, uh, I think that they could be mistaken there because Gasicki is a very talented pass catcher. So he's yeah. he's going to be a guy to look out for in this game, obviously. Barkley's uh health is a huge factor right now i'm leaning a, a, a wisconsin win i don't really know what to make of the two and a half point spread so i'm probably just going to stay off of wagering on this one do you have any read on the on the 47 and a half over under i mean it might <laughs> it feels like an under game to me yeah uh although
2: 47 and a half isn't that high of uh, I, I guess i'm thinking more like 21 to 17 or like 24 to 21 than whatever like 28 to 24 right
1: okay i'm with you there I, I think we both agree that that we were we were gonna take the under here although there have been some crazy odd high scores occasionally in these big 10 championship games i just don't foresee it happening this time around with these two offenses yeah
2: like as good as mcsorley's been he's not really like a really burn you through the air in a high volume sense quarterback and wisconsin's defense is so good uh, in the meantime the badgers quarterbacks aren't very good
1: so no, they're not and one of them is banged up so that, that's this it's whole other thing uh then we got two more games here we got the acc championship clemson 10 point favorites taking on virginia tech Uh, over under at 58 points here they haven't faced each other since 2012 so there's really no sort of recent uh, history here to to lean on at all so that you know that's obviously pre-Watson and obviously pre-Evans and pre-Fuente era at Virginia Tech Uh, Clemson has an 80% win probability according according to SB Nation's numbers There projected score at 33 to 19 actually so that was a little bit higher than I was expecting I when this matchup you know became set in stone i kind of felt like virginia tech had the highest probability of of an upset amongst like the these power five championship games uh because of how well they've played lately their their offense seems to be clicking their defense has been pretty strong throughout the year but it's really just hard to beat clemson when clemson yeah. is on
2: and we've seen deshaun watson step up when it's high pressure yes uh, last year in the playoffs most memorably but uh yeah 19 points i'm not seeing that i think 10 is about right for the spread Uh, i would definitely have to pick clemson to win and probably to cover that because uh yeah i mean gerard evans has been really really good this year but it's it's when it basically comes down to
1: him or watson i I just can't still watson and, and and even though virginia tech has really nice weapons i think they're just more like Really nice weapons for, for Virginia Tech. And, and guys that Clemson has are more like freak shows for the most yeah, part. Virginia Tech is actually
2: pretty short handed at the skill posi- at receiver, pass catchers. Like mm-hmm. Bucky Hodges is kind of their number two receiver along with Cam Phillips. And they're both okay. But um, like Isaiah Ford is really good. But uh, the, the Fuente offense, being up-tempo like it is, being generally spread out like it is, those guys are playing so many snaps, and it's it's not because they're like that great. It's just they have no depth. So, right. uh, yeah, obviously Clemson Clemson just has so much more speed on offense; like they, right. they can just strike from anywhere. Whereas Virginia Tech, it'll I think it would take
1: Watson having just like a straight up bad game from them to win. And I I don't see that happening. One interesting thing that I saw uh, Andy Bitter, the the Virginia Tech uh, beat writer, he tweeted out a quote from Bud Foster, who kind of was of the opinion that, that Deshaun Watson is used more of a runner in big games. And I, I, yeah. I, it sounded right to me, and I went ahead and looked back at the game logs, and it's true. Uh, the last four games of last year, so that's the South Carolina game that, where, if you remember, South Carolina actually gave Clemson a pretty good fight in that one. Yeah. Uh, he ran it 21 times against them, ran it 24 times against UNC, uh, 24 against OU in the playoff game, and 20 times against Bama. Yep. And then this year uh, – his two, I mean, he hasn't rushed as much this year, but his two highest rushing attempt games were against Louisville and Florida State, two yeah. of the biggest games that they've played. Yeah, and last year he was doing that only like eight and a half months removed
2: from ACL repair surgery, right. so. Uh, they're going to run him this time. Like he, he's yeah, going to run he, in this game. He's going to run. Take off the blinders. Yeah, he's actually, they're going to cut him
1: loose. Yeah, and I think if they do that, then uh, look out Hokies. Unfortunately, I, I, would, I would rescind my upset prediction. I, I think that Clemson uh, should be able to take this 10-point spread, especially if they do kind of let Watson loose here. And then rounding us out with probably the least interesting game of the day, uh, Florida versus Alabama in the SEC championship game. Right, so it's 24 and a half, is that what it is? Uh let's check here. I
2: believe so. Yeah. or yeah. 24 flat, 24 flat. <laughs> um yeah, I definitely think Alabama cruises. Uh, I almost struggle to imagine how those points happen though. Like I I guess we one of them is defense, maybe the other is a kick return.
1: <laughs> yeah, they they'll and, do that. So yeah, that, they've done that. that, that, that. I've,
2: I've seen them do that before. Um so yeah, they might do it again. Obviously Florida's going to be on some kind of uh, turnover record watch.
1: Uh, Is it Appleby who's going to be starting? I believe so. And I don't think that there's been, aside from the 2012 Bama versus uh, Georgia SEC championship game, these games have been really lopsided since... Since 2010, since 2009, uh, basically, uh, Bama beat Florida that year 32 to 13, and since then it's pretty much been all blowouts except for that Bama Georgia game. it been yeah. pretty much at least two touchdowns. Appleby cannot play in this game, no, it's, it's gonna be bad, and they're not gonna be able to run the ball either, so no. they're and they're gonna be playing from behind, so they're gonna need Appleby to throw it, he's gonna throw some picks. Just, you think he throws five? I bet he throws four. Yeah, let's put the over under at four and a half for that. Uh, Yeah, I'll take the over. Okay, nice. Just well, a complete abject meltdown. I guess that was
2: the most uh, important
1: thing to discuss about that game. Uh, <laughs> what
2: what will Austin Appleby's fate be exactly? <laughs> Sorry, uh, man. Something something not good. To be fair, he's been way better than I ever would have thought possible. From that playing offense is SAC. slightly
1: more explosive with him at Six quarterback. Six touchdowns
2: to two interceptions. That's crazy.
1: And I noticed that all, pretty much all of Antonio Callaway's catches of over 20 yards have been when Appleby's playing. Yeah, Del Rio was worse. I don't know why he was even playing. But yeah, that, <laughs> Applebee's like the guy who lost
2: to the guy who lost to some guy who's currently starting at Purdue mm-hmm. and uh, was yeah. led fourth uh, quarterback before some guy left the team this year. And
1: yeah, so. the Purdue guy led the FBS in interceptions this year and beat out uh, at yep. Ling, who beat out Appleby. Yep. Amazing stuff there. What, what a just crazy six That's degrees of separation. Yeah, just beautiful stuff there. Uh, so next week, we're probably not going to have a podcast here. I think something there's only one game. Games. But we yeah. will get one probably the following Wednesday. We might do something with, like, draft stuff combine probably yeah we'll get that probably after the season ends probably probably pre-combine the week or two leading up to that uh but with that said this was our championship week podcast signing off from mario this was john mckechnie and we will talk to you guys again in two weeks